Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Practicing the Way, the Prayer Practice. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. So we're in the middle of this series on prayer, and last week we looked at the concept of praying to God. Today we're going to look at the the concept of praying with God. So so let me help you understand how we pray with God. And and to do so, it it helps to to have a little bit of an academic understanding of languages. And, And so if you're in our small group series, our life group series, uh, you'll know that some of the recommended reading is by uh, a pastor named Tyler Staten, and he's written a book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I highly recommend it. But in it, he, he talks about something that Pastor Eugene Peterson talked about years ago, and, and uh, he said, Jesus prays in what Peterson calls middle voice. Now, let me explain this. Again, this is something that, that uh, folks who study languages understand. So in the active voice, I am the subject. I'm the actor. I initiate the action. I give advice. And then there's passive voice. In the passive voice, I'm the subject. I'm the one being acted upon. I receive the action. I am given the advice. Now, if you study ancient languages like Greece, uh, like Greek and uh, Latin, you'll know that there's a third way of speaking, and it shows up in the New Testament, which was written in ancient Koine Greek, and it's the middle voice. And in the middle voice, I am an active participant, but the action did not begin with me. I am joining with the action of another. Now, you know, uh, as I said, uh, ancient Greek and, and Latin uh, have demonstrated this middle voice. And we need to understand that Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he actually was telling us to pray in Scripture. We see this. It was written in, in the middle voice. And let me go back again to Eugene Peterson, who, who wrote this, and he's instrumental in defining this for us. He said, prayer and spirituality feature participation, the the complex participation between God and humans. It's His will and our wills. So we don't abandon ourselves to the stream of grace and and drown in an ocean of love, uh, uh, losing our identity when we pray with God, Peterson writes. We don't pull the strings that that activate God's operation in our lives, subjecting God to our assertive identity. We neither manipulate God, that's the active voice, nor are we manipulated by God, that's the passive voice. We're involved in the action and participation in it results, but they don't control us or define us. Prayer takes place in the middle voice. So the middle voice means that I am an active participant, but the action began with another. We participate in the action. We reap the benefits of the action. We are not entirely active, though, because God's action doesn't depend on our initiative. Neither are we entirely passive. God has freely chosen to act almost exclusively in partnership with humanity. 
When we pray, we both participate in God's action and we benefit from God's action. We join God. All of our interaction with God in prayer happens here in the middle voice. It's the voice of participation with God. Now, as I said, Jesus taught us that way of prayer, and he lived it. So take, for instance, the prayer that we read in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of verses from there. And, and beginning in verse 20, he said, he's praying to God. He goes, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the action that began with God, remember he said, just as you are in me and I am in you, Jesus wants us to join in. He wants us to participate in. Remember he said, may they also be in us. And the result of which is that the world will see and believe. So this is prayer in the middle voice. He's demonstrating it to us in John 17. And he keeps on, and this is what he says. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. Again, action and action that began with God, the glory that you gave me, Jesus wants us to join and to participate in. Remember, he said that they may be brought to complete unity. The result of which is that the world will know that God sent Jesus and that he loved everyone. That's prayer in the middle voice. And that's what the praying voice of Jesus sounds like. He's inviting us in to prayer and praying with God. Prayer is the most important place where we participate with God. One of the most amazing examples we have of someone participating with God in prayer is Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so I just want you to think about what it was like in the first century. In the first century, people married a lot younger than they do today. And uh, Mary was likely a teenager, even more likely even a young teenager, when she who was betrothed to a man that we know whose name was Joseph, and she, like any young bride-to-be, was probably dreaming about her future and what their married life together was going to be like, when all of a sudden she's visited by an angel, uh, an angel that came and told her that God had chosen her to bear the Son of God through natural means. Now, as I think about that, I, I probably think about this on two ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, she was probably excited, maybe even thrilled to know that God had chosen her to do something in such a profound and significant way for the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, she must have been freaking out. I mean, think about this. She's betrothed. Now she's been told by an angel of God that she's going to be impregnated supernaturally. And all of a sudden, she's going to look pregnant and her fiance is going to think she's been cheated on. And you know what? Everybody else in town is going to think that she's been an adulteress. And the law of God was very clear. What should happen to someone who commits adultery? You should be stoned to death. 
But Mary responds to God's invitation in the middle voice. Let me remind you of what she said. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She said, I'm going to participate with you, God. I, I, I hear this call, and, and I'm going to speak back to you. I'm going to pray back to you. I'm going to walk forward with you into this. Tyler Stanton says, it's a stunning prayer of surrender and participation. It's prayer in the middle voice amidst the messiness of ordinary life. And that's what we're invited into. We're invited to pray with God in the middle voice, in the messiness of our lives. So praying with God in the middle voice is praying to participate with him. And and I'm certain that, you know, this concept is probably new, but it it makes sense, even though it may feel a little foreign. And so I want to look today at some things that I think will help us understand what it means to pray with God, to participate with God in this middle voice. And so I want to give you a focus. The first focus I'm going to give you is praying with God means we need to be aligned with God. So what do I mean by alignment? I mean praying with God for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, not just in the world, but in our lives and through our lives. And isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray when he was asked? Lord, teach us how to pray like you. And his response was what we know, be the Lord's prayer. And in that prayer, he said, I want you to pray to God and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, in my life, in your life, on this earth, with us working with you. Dr. Stuart Weber writes about praying with God that his kingdom would come, saying this, the kingdom servant, meaning followers of Jesus, the kingdom servant sees God's kingdom as not yet completely fulfilled on earth. This prayer is not only for the future coming of Christ, but it's also for the spreading of God's kingdom around the world through his kingdom servants, through us. Therefore, it is a prayer that we, his servants, would be faithfully obedient and effective in living his kingdom principles in our lives and then spreading the kingdom through our actions and words. He, he goes on talking about what it means to pray for God's will to be done. And he says this. This is another request for the spreading of God's kingdom rule on earth. Primarily through the church, through the body of Christ as the agent of the kingdom. As followers of Jesus, we are a part of the church, the body of Christ. And he wants us to be involved. He concludes saying this, our prayers are to be continual reminders to ourselves to get with the kingdom program. So so after Jesus gives his disciples this way to pray in alignment with God's kingdom will, he tells them that when we put God first by living for his kingdom and his righteousness in all things, all the things that we need in life will be given to us. It's God's will to be our provider. So we need to pray in alignment with his will. Going back to the gospel of John, Jesus gave these instructions. He said, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be complete. 
Now, Jesus' instructions here have oftentimes been misunderstood. We need to understand that in the culture of the first century, to understand the idea of speaking in someone's name meant that we were saying that we want it to be done equated with that person's character, with the spirit of that person, with, with the power of that person. So praying in the name of Jesus is not a magical formula to get what you want. Praying in Jesus' name, rather, is praying that God's will would be done in the world, but also in our lives, through our lives. As one writer has written, praying in Jesus' name means praying with his authority, and asking God the Father to act upon our prayers because we come in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Praying in Jesus' name means the same thing as, a pray, as praying according to the will of God. Praying in Jesus' name is praying for things that will honor and glorify God. If what we ask for or say in prayer is not for God's glory and not according to his will, saying in Jesus' name is meaningless, he writes, Genuinely praying in Jesus' name and for his glory is what is important. Not attaching certain words to the end of a prayer. It's not the words in the prayer that matter, but the purpose behind the prayer. Praying for things that are in agreement with God's will is the essence of praying in Jesus' name. Praying with God means our prayers will be in alignment with God. Praying in Jesus' name means we are aligned with him. So that's the first focus of, of how we pray in the middle voice, how we pray with God. Here's the second focus. It should be gratitude. Pastor John Mark Comer has written that gratitude is talking with God about what is good in our life and good in the world. Being grateful and thanking, and thanking God is an important acknowledgement of God's provision and his generosity in our life. When we talk about God, the goodness he has bestowed on our lives and the goodness he has poured out into the world, we are expressing gratitude. Expressing gratitude is another way where we align ourselves with God because we're both seeing and acknowledging what God is doing. The Apostle Paul was inspired to write these words, and you'll see the connection between uh, gratitude and praying with God and being in alignment with God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So many times it talked about giving thanks and being grateful. Singing oftentimes are just prayers put to music. I hope you noticed how many times it talked about being grateful. And how doing that is being in alignment with God as we pray through that focus of gratitude. Now, if you question uh, how we can have a focus of gratitude as we pray with God in this crazy time that we're living in with so many things going on, I want to share with you how one former U.S. president did that at a very horrible time 
in our nation's history. In the fall of 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued two landmark statements. The first one you're going to immediately recognize, it was the famous Gettysburg Address in which Lincoln commemorated the battlefield of Gettysburg. The other statement made just weeks beforehand may be a bit surprising. On October 3rd, 1863, President Lincoln instituted the first official Thanksgiving holiday. He wrote, it has seemed to me fit and proper that the gracious gifts of the Most High God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. So thus, Lincoln set apart the last Thursday of November as a day of Thanksgiving in the midst of the worst war our nation has ever seen. He thought the time was ripe for gratitude. Now, as we think that through, maybe we're a little tempted to think that uh, Lincoln's statement of gratitude was a little out of touch, maybe naive. But when you read through the entire text of of the Thanksgiving proclamation, I'm not going to do that, but you will see that Lincoln candidly addressed the horrors of the Civil War as unequaled magnitude and severity that had transformed tens of thousands of Americans into widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife. But he coupled this hardship with hope, recognizing the hand of God guiding him and the nation through the valley of the shadow of death, conflict and gratitude, hardship and hope. Lincoln wasn't confused. He was seeing that thanksgiving needs to to be given, and he was seeing it through a biblical lens. So when we pray with God, we should focus on alignment with his will, but also with gratitude for what he has done and what he is doing and, and what we hope he will do. There's a third focus when we pray with God, when we pray in that middle voice. And it's one we're not as familiar with. It's lament. Again, I'll turn to Pastor John Montcomer to define the focus of lament. He said, lament is talking with God about what is evil in our lives and in our world. So putting all political opinions aside, we have to acknowledge the evil in our world that we see in wars and terrorism, mass shootings, racism, abuse, and and the list goes on and on and on. Many of us don't think about lamenting, though. But we do do it. We, we lament when we long for whatever is going on and troubling us that it would go away. Now, Scripture includes laments. In fact, there are two kinds of laments we'll see in Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. There's personal lament, and then there's corporate lament. I'm going to read Psalm 13. It's a short one. It is a personal lament. So just listen to the words of the psalmist. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is 
good to me. Something important to notice about that, and I'll get to those segments of lament, but, but Pastor Matt Woodley shares how he grasped what lament was all about. He said, shortly after I moved to Long Island as a pastor of a new church, I met David. He was a, a Jewish follower of Jesus who constantly challenged me to view the Bible through Jewish eyes. David would often approach me after the worship service, he said, and he would begin with something like this. Hey, nice sermon. I like that third point a lot, but I think you also missed something crucial. Let me tell you how I would see that through my Jewish eyes. And then he would launch into his weekly rebuttal argument about the points of my sermon, Matt writes. He goes, you know, I thought he was trying to pick a fight with me. So, but I politely listened and thanked him for his insights. But he says, after two years of having this happen every week, I couldn't stand it. And I blurted out to him. I said, David, what's the deal? Don't you get anything out of my sermons? Doesn't God tell you something? Why do you always nitpick some minor point of my theology? He writes, as my face flushed with anger. He said, David stood there frozen, and then he finally broke the icy silence, first by laughing, and then he said, Maybe I should explain my cultural background. When New York Jews, like me, argue about Scripture, we're asking for a dialogue. When I tell you I disagree with something you've said, I'm expecting you to fire back and say, oh, yeah? Well, I think that you're wrong, too, and let me tell you why. You see, he goes on to say, David does, Jewish people sometimes get close by working through unpleasant feelings, even by arguing if necessary. Confronting each other is a sign of intimacy and relationship. So when I dish it out, I want you to dish it right back. That's how trust and intimacy grow in a relationship. So Woodley concluded by saying this, the concept of achieving trust and intimacy with God through intense dialogue and, and even a rousing argument was certainly new to me, but through my friendship with David, God started to teach me an important lesson about prayer, that sometimes prayer involves being completely honest with God. What a novel idea, right? Sometimes prayer means that we grow closer to God by bringing to God all the unpleasant things about our relationship. Our sadness, our disappointment, our laments, our complaints, even our anger. Based on numerous God-given prayers of, con of complaint and lament in Scripture, we understand that God can handle that. So lament is really just being open and honest with God about the good, the bad, and the ugly in our lives and in our world. So when we pray with God in lament, we should follow that basic structure. I hope you saw it in Psalm 13. It addresses God. It describes the complaint. It requests God's help. And then it expresses thanks to God and trust in Him. So that's the, the fourth focus of how we should pray with God in the middle voice. And the, excuse me, the third, the, the fourth focus is very simply this, petition. Again, turning to John Mark Comer, he gives us a definition. He says, when we petition God, we're praying with God, asking him to fulfill his promises to overcome evil with good. Have you ever thought about that? 
when you bring your prayers of petition, when you're asking God to intervene in something, you're asking God to overcome evil with his good. I don't know if you know this. If any of you use an e-reader with Amazon, if you highlight in that e-reader, Amazon tracks that. So interesting to know about. So any book that you read that you highlight on an e-reader, Amazon tracks it. So interestingly, recently Amazon published the most underlined, most highlighted verse in e-reader Bibles. Now, if you're thinking it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it's not that. If you're thinking it's Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or if you're thinking it's the Lord's Prayer that we prayed earlier, it, it, it's not that. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's going to be on the screen. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, in this worried and anxiety-ridden world that we live in, we shouldn't be surprised that that's the most highlighted verse. And in that verse, God says, petition me, pray to me, bring your request to me. And did you notice? With what? With thanks and gratitude. Uh, Dallas Willard, a great Christian philosopher, wrote this. God's response to our prayer is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he's going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. So pray. Share your requests with God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. But uh, as we do, I, I want to reiterate my closing statement from last Sunday. And it's very simply two words. Just pray. What I want to encourage you to do is, is just pray. We've looked about praying to God and we've looked at praying with God. So, so pray. Connect with God. And remember, when you do, when you pray with God, you're praying in that middle voice. And, and so you want to pray in alignment with his will. You, you want to pray with gratitude to him for all that he's given to us. You, you want to also be honest with him. And, and so when you pray with God, feel free to lament with him about the evil that you're experiencing or that you're seeing in the world. And then when you pray with God, bring him your requests. Petition him. Let him know. So I, I want to close right now with a prayer for all of us, that we would learn to pray in the middle voice, that we would learn to pray with God. Let's pray. Father, as we have gathered here today, as we've looked at your word, as you've instructed us, Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would learn to pray with you, to see your will be done and your kingdom come in our lives and in this world, in that circle of influence that each one of us has in our lives, that we would understand that we have a role, a responsibility. We have an opportunity. And so, Lord, meet us in that.
and let us pray with you each and every day. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.